1: Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, USBets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. Happy New Year, John. Uh, let's start the year off on the right foot. Do you have any sports betting resolutions for 2019?
2: Uh, happy New Year as well, Eric. Um, I think my sports betting resolution is to continue to risk little enough money that, in a way, I I just can't lose. It's called peace of mind. Uh, my picks weren't <laughs> that great this year. Uh, they're okay, but um, I wasn't at risk of uh, of missing a mortgage payment. So, uh, uh, how about you, Eric? What do you give? You got any?
1: Yeah, I have one sports betting resolution, and I think you can probably guess what it is. No parlays. Uh, (laughs) I I tried four parlays with our pretend bankroll and only one with one of them, uh, and it was a simple two-leg parlay. Uh, I've tried about a half dozen parlays with my real money in New Jersey, and the best I've done on any of them is get my money back by going three for four on an insured parlay special. Uh, So parlays are tempting, they're tantalizing, they're fun and I have to learn to resist them. Uh, so, So you have my word, John. No parlays this year. Uh,
2: okay, yeah, and if you try roulette, just stick with red and black. The uh, 23, <laughs> I got a good feeling about number 23, that's <laughs> probably not going to pay off.
1: <laughs> yeah, roulette roulette is, uh, no matter what you pick, it's never in your favor. Uh, the, the house always wins, well, the house always wins in all of this stuff, pretty much. But uh, in, in roulette in particular, you know exactly how the odds are stacked against you, and uh, I tend to stay away from that one. But, you know, get a, get a few shots in me and anything can happen. Good for you. (laughs) All right. Well, Happy New Year to uh, all of the listeners. Uh, Thank you to everybody out there for joining us for episode number 21 of Gamble On and the start of year number two of the podcast. If you missed any episodes of the show from 2018, you can find them all on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And you can always make it easy on yourself by subscribing. That way you'll never miss an episode.
2: Yeah, and Eric, uh, coming up later in the podcast, we'll be speaking to uh, Jason McIntyre of Fox Sports and the big lead. Uh, He had a really strong showing in the Las Vegas Super Contest this NFL season. So we're going to talk about that and uh, much more with Jason. But uh, first, we have two weeks' worth of news to cover, so let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling.
1: Let's get right into our first news story. The year 2018 ended with a whimper for sports betting and iGaming legalization as we got our hopes up about Michigan passing a bill. And on December 28th, Michigan Governor Rick Snyder, two days from the end of his term, Vetoed the package of iGaming bills that passed the state legislature a week earlier in the span of just a few days right before and after Christmas, Michigan went from wait until 2019 to, oh, my God, this is going to happen right now. And back to wait until 2019, Uh, the iGaming legislation had bipartisan support. On December 20th, it passed the House, 71 to 35, and the Senate, 33 to 5. It was going to open the door for sports betting and assorted forms of online gaming, but Snyder said no because of, quote, unknown revenue implications. John, how disappointing is this for our industry, and what do you think the chances are that Michigan gets a new bill moving and passed over the next 12 months?
2: Uh, I I think for now, the the big hit really is to online poker more than anything. Um, You know, Pennsylvania will launch in the next couple of months and you pair them with New Jersey and you're getting toward a decent liquidity for, for players, uh, for various, uh, times of day and even uh uh levels of money they want to bet mm-hmm. but if you had them plus michigan that's that's a really solid number and um it looked like we were headed there by the spring and now that's going to have to hold so uh poker players have got to be a little patient but um i still expect this package to pass in the next six months uh, you know the bipartisan support uh skies have not fallen in new jersey west virginia mississippi you know elsewhere that has legal sports betting that part has not been any big scandal so um I think supporters of the expanded legal gambling in the U.S. in general uh, just have to be patient. Uh, This one's going to happen.
1: Yeah, it's an important point that you make about the online poker being a really uh, the the bigger consequence of this. You know, we focus on sports betting a lot on this podcast, but you know, this is really an overall online gambling story, and and it is that online poker community for whom this seemed to maybe have the most relevance. You know, Michigan is a significant state; it's not New York or California, obviously, but it's an important domino and would have added a lot of people to that online poker pool. But as you say. It still feels like it's going to happen before too long. Uh, Our our recent podcast guest, Brian Pempis, wrote a little something for MIBets.com yesterday about the new governor, uh, Gretchen Whitmer. And the article notes that her position on gambling is kind of an unknown. It's an issue she said very little about. She did say during a debate that she supports sports betting in Michigan, but she didn't elaborate at all. Her answer was a simple yes. Um, The speculation is that they might need to retool the bill and bump up the tax rate a little, providing more money to go toward education, which is uh, apparently a priority for Whitmer. But yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's... Rather likely that iGaming and sports betting advance sometime in 2019 in Michigan. It's just a matter of some lost time and and some wasted effort having to start it all back up again after it was so close in 2018.
2: Yeah, it's just tough. I I sympathize with the online poker uh, community in the sense that uh, the feeling was when New Jersey legalized it, well here we go and, and we're off to the races in 20 back in 2013, and five years later you finally get Pennsylvania or to six years later is going to do it, yeah. and that's the sort of a traditional state that's going to lead the way, but other states haven't really followed yet. I, I think the, I think Michigan, is, I thought Pennsylvania was going to be the key, and now I think Michigan is. When Michigan passes online poker, I think you're going to see other Midwestern states in particular pass it, and then the domino will go just as casinos did in the 1990s.
1: All right, uh, on to our next story. Uh, One day before the bad news out of Michigan, we got good news out of West Virginia as the first mobile betting app in the state went live on December 27th. Casino operator Delaware North launched BetLucky.com. A bit of a surprise in that Delaware North's casinos hadn't launched brick-and-mortar sportsbooks prior to this, whereas others in the state got up and running in September. Uh, In any case, West Virginia becomes the third state, joining Nevada and New Jersey with active online-slash-mobile betting. And since DraftKings Sportsbook has a deal with one West Virginia property and FanDuel Sportsbook has a deal with two others, those two sites will be coming to West Virginia soon. John, how long will it be before online sports betting revenue is beating live sports betting revenue in West Virginia?
2: Uh, I got to think maybe uh, three months tops. Um, mm-hmm. New Jersey is a little bit of a tough comparison uh, when you compare the level of affluence in New Jersey to West Virginia and even the level of technology use, the amount of uh, uh, people who who have all kinds of advanced technology. But look, if you're under 50 and especially if you're under 40, your smartphone is pretty much where you communicate, you shop, you make reservations, you play, and now you gamble, and that's true all over. So uh, it won't take too long for West Virginia.
1: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Uh, if if anything, uh, you might be a little conservative with the three month timeline. I, I guess I would just say that whatever month DraftKings and FanDuel launch in West Virginia, that's the month when online revenue, I think, will blow land based revenue out of the water. Um, it's almost a case of. You know, I, I realize we're we're psyched that West Virginia is is joining in here, but it's almost a case of we should be asking them what took so long. Um, it, it's just so obvious that online sports betting is where the money is. It's how the vast majority of users will play. It's just crazy to me that any state would focus on brick and mortar sports betting over mobile and online. You may be right that uh, New Jersey is a, a bit of an extreme case because of the relative affluence, but I think any state that launches both will uh, before long see the online mobile side take over. And so, uh, yeah, I, I might go under three months on West Virginia if I had to guess.
2: Yeah, I've been surprised, too. As I've, as I've said before, you know, I have nothing against Utah and Hawaii not wanting to have gambling. That's the culture of those states. So that's mm. perfectly fine. And if you live there, you realize that. Or if you move there, you realize that. But if you want to have uh, legal sports betting, why you would only want to have it brick and mortar and not online is uh, a mystery to me. Yeah.
1: All right. uh, Our third story, you know, after two uh, end of 2018 news items that we've uh, covered so far here, we'll wrap up the segment uh, with a real live 2019 news item. On Wednesday, Syracuse.com reported that sports betting is coming to New York. And this certainly would be our top story, uh, except that the information is a little fuzzy here. There's a lot to interpret. Uh, Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York, is teaming up with Caesars Entertainment to open a sports book sometime in 2019, the Oneida Indian Nation announced. And specifically... Sports betting will begin at Turning Stone and two other Oneida properties in New York as soon as, A, the National Indian Gaming Commission finishes its review, and B, the New York State Gaming Commission releases regulations. Sort of like what happened with one casino launching sports betting in New Mexico last year, Oneida is saying it doesn't need to wait for New York to pass legislation because its Indian gaming compact with the state allows it to offer sports betting already. So this is all a little confusing to me. Oneida sounds confident that sports betting is coming this year, though. John, you followed the New York sports betting saga closely. Do you believe the Indian casinos will get the jump on the commercial casinos and bring legal sports betting to New York this year?
2: This is very, very messy. It's probably the best way I could put it. Um, yep. it's, it's odd because New York is obviously behind the times in some ways. But six years ago, they passed a law that only allowed for construction of four casinos in upstate New York, uh, the southernmost one being in the Catskills, but also to allow them to have sports betting as soon as that became legal. So that seems pretty uh, ahead of the game, right? So we know what happened in the Supreme Court in May. So now the doors are open for New York. Yet the new casinos and all of them are under, underperforming, by the way, it's been disappointing. Right. Uh, they seem to be held hostage by these regulators who haven't gotten around to regulations amid, amid political machinations. I mean, clearly they had enough time already by now, six or eight months, to do it, and the casinos could have it, but it's sort of being lumped in with the decision. They, they tell me that um, the New York State goal is to figure out what to do about online sports betting first because they didn't think of that in 2013, right. and then incorporate that into a comprehensive bill. But the Native American tribes have their say as well, as you note. Um, the key ultimately is going to see what – you know, Andrew Cuomo was recently reelected governor and what he has to say on this, he's a deal maker. So Uh, Maybe he can make one, but uh, I've been convinced for the last six to eight months that legal sports betting in the, in New York state is not guaranteed for 2019 legislature basically meets from March to June. They have a lot of other things going on. There's a change of power uh, balance of power in Albany and this topic is not the top of the list. So um, this is very, very messy and there may be some lawyers involved.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's all a bit tenuous despite Oneida's confidence in announcing this. I'm not sure. I mean, Uh, Yeah, I'll certainly defer to your instincts on this since you've been following the the New York saga much more closely than I have. Though I have spent a night at Turning Stone Resort, so I have that going for me. Um, But I have to assume that if this happens, if the Oneida Nation starts offering sports betting, I would think it's going to spur legislative action to get the state's commercial casinos up and running. Uh, You know, this could prove to be one of those things where they're taking advantage of a loophole, but it jumpstarts the whole state. Uh, And and again, as with West Virginia and everywhere else we talk about, It's all ultimately about online. You know, it it doesn't matter in the end that much which casinos have brick and mortar sports betting. It matters what sites people can access on their phones as they come out of the subway and want to place a bet while they're walking down the streets of Manhattan. Uh, You you said it on our first podcast, John. It's a brave new world. Uh, Online sports betting in New York uh, is where we truly cross over, I think, into that new world.
2: Well, I forgot to mention, Yonkers Raceway and Aqueduct, um, they have Racinos, um, mm-hmm. but they're not on this list of getting to offer sports betting, whether at, at, the, at the casino or online. So that has to be figured out, too. They've got their own lobbyists, so it's mm-hmm. even messier than I was already describing. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: the, the wonderful world of politics, legislation, uh, none of it isn't messy, but this is even more messy than most of it, I guess.
2: Indeed.
0: It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling.
2: Let's get to the Gamble On interview.
1: Proving that it's possible to do big things after working as a writer for the Bergen record, Jason McIntyre co-founded the big lead in 2006 and has gone on to become a popular personality on both radio and TV for Fox Sports, and he also likes to put his money where his mouth is as a sports bettor and an entrant in the Las Vegas Super Contest, and now he joins us on the podcast. Jason, welcome to Gamble On.
3: (laughs) Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Uh, so let's start by talking about the Super Contest, uh, since it just wrapped up last weekend. John and I uh, shadow played it on the podcast and, uh, and both finished around 500. You did far better than either of us. I understand you got off to a hot start and had a, a couple of 5-0 and weeks toward the end and had a shot at finishing in, in the top 100, entering the final week. Did you end up making the money, and how did your results this year compare to past years?
3: Uh, Well, first of all, this was by far my best year ever. Uh, And I do want to say, as a gambler, you always remember the worst beats instead of the great victories. You know, like, yeah, I can remember a couple of huge, big victories, but man, the ones that lost really hurt. So my super contest, I started out 13-2, and and I was tied for first. And I was, of course, trying to toot my own horn, as you do when you win a couple. And I had just started a gambling podcast called Coming Up Winners. And I was talking about it on the on the podcast, and my strategy was I was not, like, breaking any ground. Uh, I really was digging heavily into the football outsiders uh, DVOA metrics, which take everything into account. And, you know, when you guys look on TV and or listen on the radio and you hear people say, oh, they're averaging or they're allowing 20 points per game and they're fourth in rushing yards per game, like, those stats – don't matter at all when it comes to gambling. They are just very rudimentary and very like 1994 when it comes to handicapping games. And I kind of rode that for a while. And naturally you have a couple down weeks and, um, I got fortunate and, uh, was always kind of in the top, I think like three or 400. Um, and then near the end of the season, I went back to back five and O's and I was top 100. And then of course, uh, week 15 happened. And, um, you know, that was the second 5-0, and I was like, I'm excited. So Week 16, pressure's on. I hit the Ravens in that Saturday night game against Chargers. And I look at the standings, and I was like 67th or 77th, something in that area. And Sunday, and, and again, this is where it comes to uh, the worst beats you, you always uh, remember. So the Browns were up on the Bengals 26-3, to and it was, they had dominated the entire game. It was like seven minutes left. And at the same time, the Eagles had pulled ahead 13 on the Texans. Uh, it was like 29-16, like eight minutes left. And at that point, I looked at the standings. There's a website that tracks the games as they go in your standings. If both of those hit, I would have gone 3-0 and to start the week, and I would have been around 15-something in that area. Hmm. And then, of course, I made the mistake of looking at the payouts, and I was like, oh, <laughs> man, 15! I could win real money. I like, this that's great. And you guys know what happened. The Browns gave up a cheesy touchdown, then had a punt blocked and gave up the two point conversion. And it's in, you know, the spread was eight and a half. It, they were winning by eight. They make a big play to get down to the Bengals' three yard line. Baker Mayfield stares down Hugh Jackson. I'm like, oh, they're going to go for it. They're going to score. <laughs> and they take a knee. And I lose that bet. And I'm crestfallen. I'm just devastated. So then I turn my attention to the Eagles. And what do they do? At almost the exact same time. Fumble, Texans get back in the game, touchdown, Texans, touchdown, and they, they, they win by two. And the spread was two and a half. So I missed those games by a half point each. And at that point, I was like silent. My kids are trying to talk to me. <laughs> Dad, you're very quiet. What's going? You know, normally I'm animated during the games. or fun. And I was like, I was I was in shock. I went from possibly finishing great to to not. Uh, and then of cap, of course, the 49ers capped the day. They were five point underdogs. I'm uh, Sorry, they were uh, four-point underdogs, and they lose by five. Had a turnover in the red zone, fourth quarter, off a guy's hands, and that was it. Um, all she wrote. I just finished outside the money. I finished, I think it was tied for 287th or something, but I, it didn't pay. That's all that matters. Right. Uh, live and learn, guys. Live and learn.
1: <laughs> right, so 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 I'm curious then. What you just barely missed the money, but you know, regardless of whether you would come close, not come close at all. What are your feelings on the payout structure? Do you feel like with over three thousand entrants, they should pay more than a hundred spots these days, or you know, is it too top heavy, or, or are you cool with the idea of you got to get into that that top one hundred, and the real yeah. money is all at the top?
3: That's a that's a good question because I never really looked. Uh, and done the math to see how many people could get paid. Mm-hmm. um I think it used to be top fifty, and now they extended it, I believe, to top hundred as the um, contest grows. And now with gambling being legal, I mean, it was three thousand people in it. I would assume they'll get four thousand next year, right? Maybe thirty five hundred. The only catch is you've got to actually physically be in Vegas to sign up. Right. Uh, yeah. I, you know that's a good question. I don't. You know, I mean, I, I play in fantasy leagues with there's money at stake and usually the only people who cash are the top two. So I I, I don't really think too much about they should extend it so more people uh, cash and, you know, I guess that kind of feeds into the whole – Uh, participation trophy theory uh, in America
2: right now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, Jason, talk about, you know, I think we have a lot of casual uh, novice betting listeners uh, on the podcast, and I I have a feeling a a bunch of them are probably beating themselves with rookie mistakes, you know, not even giving themselves a chance to break even. Uh, You know, with your experience, can you suggest some basic tips to avoid some of those common mistakes? Uh, Might be about Uh, parlays or teasers, that sort of thing.
3: I would say that the easiest mistakes that I even still make today are... Uh, chasing uh you know you miss it's in the 1 p.m nfl games you're like ah let me just let me just chase here in the 4 p.m and the sunday night game and you make mistakes and you go away uh from your strategy um that's one and the second would be going heavy when you're hot you know of course you guys know when i after the back-to-back five is five and zero oh in the super contest i was hot so what did i do Play more money. What happened? <laughs> I lost. So these are two basic things, but discipline is massive. And uh, the third one I would say is never get too high, never get too low. You know, like, hey, you're going to have five and zero weeks, and you're going to have one and four weeks. I've never had an O and five, but, <laughs> geez, I, I shudder to think what my reaction would be to an O and five. But, yeah, listen, you go one and four. So I think I had two one and fours during the season, and you, you can't beat yourself up. I mean, this is gambling. The greatest professionals do what? 57% in the NFL. Uh, It's the toughest market to crack by far. Uh, And and if you really want to be like a professional, like, you know, go handicap tennis in the WNBA where there could be huge advantages had. uh, And there's a a lot of value because those are markets that you you can find that value. Whereas the NFL, you know, uh, 32 teams, uh, only 16 games. It's really easy uh, for Vegas to almost hit all the games super accurately.
2: Yeah. I, I had no in five by the way this year. So <laughs> you don't, you don't <laughs> want to know what it's like.
3: <laughs> Are you guys going to enter for real next year?
1: Uh, let's see, uh, John, we, John and I haven't discussed it, but uh, I think it all depends on uh, who's going to put up the money for us.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> meaning, here, not us. Interesting <laughs> part. Like,
3: uh, you know the, the the money part's interesting because it costs what fifteen hundred. So you could split it, right? And then you guys decide. Oh, we'll, we'll come together with these picks. But here's the thing: there's going to be weeks where you guys totally disagree on the picks. Yep. And then you and then if you guys go one and four because you leaned on one guy, you well, know, oh, I don't trust this guy. Look, my picks are better. And they, so you know, I would just say just suck it up and, and, and try to pony up the $1,500. <laughs> All
1: right, well, we'll see. Based on our results this year, I don't think either of us is uh, exuding extreme confidence, but it does seem like... Uh, you know the the fun of having real money at stake there uh, ratchets it up quite a bit, um, so something for us to consider at least but switching over from uh, the, talking about the betting to talking about being a, a journalist uh, covering the the sports industry and the sports betting uh, you know you 've been a, a sports betting enthusiast since before the expansion of of legal betting started in two thousand and eighteen. Did the extent to which you talked and wrote about sports betting change significantly since PASPA got overturned?
3: Was it seven, eight months ago? Yeah, that's a great question because it's a situation now where I know a lot of people have compared it to what's happening with marijuana. Uh, Once marijuana was passed, uh, you know, everybody quickly got on board with, Hey, get the dispensaries, get the businesses up and running. And, you know, they were able to profit handsomely and uh, I'm, you know, I'm here at FS1 and, they're the first ones with a gambling show uh, to go on, on like a major network. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, that's been uh, been great for the brand and all that fun stuff. Um, I I don't pay too much attention to like the Supreme Court rulings and all that stuff, because frankly, that just takes my attention away from trying to find advantages in the market. Now, I'm not one of these guys who just sit sit there and stares at a screen all day looking for numbers to move. And as soon as this number hits seven, boom, yeah, let me put down a couple hundred bucks on this. I'm not doing that, but I just figure smart states are going to say, wait a sec, we can make some money off this. And eventually everybody's going to get involved just like the situation with marijuana. Like you're starting to see more and more states be like, Oh, we can make hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that could offset our tax situation. Yeah. So uh, I, I just think it's going to happen. I try not to focus too much on on you know what exactly is happening. I, actually, I get it from reading a lot of you guys. John, I, I know has covered the hell out of it. Uh, first at the Bergen Record where we worked together, and there's a couple of other guys out there. David Purdom seems yep. to cover it very well. So. I'll let them do it, and then I'll just, you know, read the headline in, what, two paragraphs? <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. Yeah, thanks, Jason, for the mention. Uh, yeah, not many people may know that uh, uh, not so long ago you started on the same track as me in the Bergen Record Sports Department in New Jersey, yeah. uh, covering high school events, uh, maybe with hopes of kind of going up the ladder one rung at a time. I did that for almost 20 years. and But you changed course dramatically and, and are much better off for it. And so I kind of a two-part question, you know, one is uh, – obviously advice for those looking to get into the sports industry, which has been a uh, eternal interest that hasn't even changed so much uh, with the times, but, um, but also just in general, the fact that you, I would say went for it, right? I mean, you, you were in a spot and you could kind of see your path and it didn't excite you that much. And so you, you, you gambled, you know, with your livelihood basically. And, and the idea of, of going for that and, and even if uh, uh, what would happen if it didn't work out, would it have been such a failure or would, was it still worth it?
3: Yeah. Uh, boy, good questions, guys. Um, so, uh, John, you remember, like, uh, what it was like at the Bergen Record. This was, what, 2002 we were there? I mean, this is a while ago. And what's crazy is I went to college, and when I had gone off to college, I'm going to sound so old here, um, like, the only Internet was AOL, like, dial-up. And I had only done it the summer before college. There were no cell phones, <laughs> okay? Um go to college and I was like oh I want to be a newspaper writer I want to cover the Lakers you know I want to uh write uh, be a newspaper columnist that was like my career goal like websites did not exist at this point it was like maybe espn.com and a handful of other. there were no sports blogs so and I know this sounds like the stone age folks this is 20 years ago um right. and it it just got to that situation where I get to the newspaper and things were fun and and John you remember like rapidly uh, the market was changing and everything was shifting to the internet. And I'll never forget one day and I'm not going to name the guy, but I had bought a website with my URL, my name, Jason which by the way, some jerk like basically stole and is squatting on it because uh, I forgot to renew it, you know, uh, but I bought it and I started to put my stories from the Bergen record on there. And I was freelancing for like ESPN, the magazine and do another CBS sports.com and a, Somebody saw my website and then went and told uh, our boss at the time. Do you remember huh. Rob Sennabow?
2: I do, yes. <laughs> yes.
3: Somebody went and told him, hey, Jason's putting his stories o- on his website. And I got called into a glass office, and they were like, we, we don't know if you're allowed to do this. This is how <laughs> this is how crazy the internet was. I'm telling you guys, like maybe mm. 16 years ago. Mm. Said, we-, we don't know. We're going to have to ask if you're allowed to do this. I'm like, allowed to do what? These stories are already out there. I'm just – putting it out there so I can market myself. And they're like, yeah, we don't know if that's allowed. And I was like, that was it. I mean, John, hmm. I, once that meeting happened, I was like, I'm out of here. Forget this. So I pivoted to celebrity magazines. And I, like, I got to get, and I wanted to live in New York. I was a young single guy living in Jersey right outside New York City. I'm like, I'm not meeting any girls here. You know, and the girls <laughs> I went to New York City, uh, <laughs> as soon as I would say, oh yeah, I live in Jersey. They'd be like, all right, see ya. Nice chatting. I they just wanted nothing to do with me. so. Uh, I eventually get a job uh, in the celebrity magazine industry in New York City. And that's when I really bet on myself because I still loved sports uh, and followed it closely. So I started the website, thebiglead.com. And, um, you know, basically we were a blog in 2006. And I did it anonymously while I was at Us Weekly. You know, I would go interview Jessica Alba during the day or some actress. And then I'll come home at night. And then I would come up with like blog post ideas on the sports blog because this was very new at the time. There was Dead Spin and like uh, maybe a couple others, but it wasn't a big, big one. And um, after about a year of that, I again took a gamble on myself and uh, quit the magazine job. And I, part of this has to all do with a girl, right? I, I was dating a girl um, when I was at the newspaper and I realized pretty quickly, oh, she makes good money doing pharmaceutical sales. And I make peanuts at a newspaper. I got to get my act together because this is—he's not going to stick with me. And I know I'm sure there's people out there listening, guys, saying, "Well, if she didn't want to stick with me, she's not," you know. But come on, be real, be realistic, okay? (laughs) Um, So at any rate, I, I, my girlfriend at the time, we started living together, and she's like, "Yeah, take a chance on this blog. You know, it's going well. Quit your job, do it 24/7." Did that and got lucky, you know. uh, Ended up marrying the girl, of course. And then sold the website, you know, it was written about in the New York Times. I think Richard Sandomir uh, penned it, and um, things took off from there. And uh, I guess here I am talking to you guys today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh, sometime uh, – we're, we're just about out of time here, but sometime when we have more time, we'll have to uh, compare notes on uh, – the world of uh, celebrity gossip, quote unquote journalism, and the rules involved. Because uh, prior to this job starting, my previous job was I, I was an editor over at uh, uh, In Touch uh, Weekly and Life and Style. Oh no so, way! Yeah. <laughs>
3: now, hey, hey, how about this? Do you know uh, Jared Shapiro?
1: I don't. Uh, I guess he no, was okay. not he still there, there when while, I was there. A while ago. Yeah. yeah, no. I was like,
3: dude work with him.
1: I, I was like 2016 until uh, until uh, mid oh, 2018 that I was there. So uh, no, wow, more, more nice recent pivot but... for you, huh? <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> this is this is a lot more fun for sure.
3: And the timing of it is genius for you because uh, this gambling stuff's only going to get bigger. You know, but, uh, but... sports gambling. I mean, I, I I can tell you right now. I know other networks are uh, interviewing and starting to uh, put together potential TV shows. They're bringing people out to uh, test them. Uh, There's going to be several more gambling TV shows come next football season on TV.
1: Yep. It, it's it's all expanding. And uh, yeah, you know, it's only a matter of time until uh, John and I have our own uh, TV show, I'm sure. But for now, <laughs> yeah. we're happy. We're happy with the podcast and we're happy to uh, have guests like you coming on to, to chat with us, Jason. So uh, we really appreciate it. It's been great talking to you. Uh, congrats on a good run in the Super Contest, even if it uh, didn't quite uh, end up padding your bankroll. But uh, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us.
3: All right, thank you, guys. Have a great one. All
2: right, thanks, Jason two men $10,000 will they run it up or blow it all it's time to check in on the gamble on bankroll
1: we'll get to the fast five shortly uh, but we start as always with our shared bankroll uh, i know jason mcintyre was just encouraging us to put up a real shared bankroll put that <laughs> at stake uh, but for now We're sticking with funny money. Uh, It's been uh, two weeks since our last podcast, so there's a lot to catch up on. And our bankroll has dipped since last we spoke. Uh, And to be honest, it's mostly my fault. John held up his end with two college bowl bets. He lost $110 on Western Michigan, but bet bigger on Army and won $150, so that's a profit of 40 bucks. However, I put fifty dollars on the Steelers money line in Week 16 against the Saints at juicy plus two ten odds, and they had the win in their grasp. And Mike Tomlin blew it for me and for Steelers fans with his ill-advised fake punt. <laughs> um, also, some NFL futures bets wrapped up since our last podcast. Uh, my twenty dollars on Royce Freeman to win the rushing title at eighty to one is officially a loss. Uh, no big deal there. Uh, for the record, he finished thirty seventh <laughs> in the race to win the rushing title. Uh, my. $50 on Jared Goff at 8-1 to to win the passing title is also a loss, but again, no big deal there, just 50 bucks. However, my $300 bet on the Eagles to win the NFC East that I made in October is also a loser. They made the playoffs, but they didn't win the division, so that one hurts. Uh, so here's the current state of our bankroll. We're still in the black by $297, and we have $910 tied up in futures bets, leaving us $9,387 to bet with this week. Uh, And before we get to our bets, I'll take a quick moment to update our active futures bets. Uh, First, our NBA over/unders aren't looking good. Uh, there was actually a New Year's Eve game between the Spurs and the Celtics, and the Spurs won, hurting both of our bets at once. Uh, <laughs> we need San Antonio to win under 43 and a half games. They're currently 21 and 17 on pace for 45 wins, not ideal, but not a disaster. We also need Boston to win over 57 and a half games. They're currently 22 and 15 on pace for just 49 wins. We're almost drawing dead there. Um, in more positive news, we have my NFL MVP bet. Our $50 on Todd Gurley has no chance, but we did put $100 on Mahomes at plus 275, and he is expected to win, though we won't know for sure if the voters get sentimental and give it to Drew Brees uh, instead until February 2nd. Uh, And lastly, we had a new bet last episode, $100 on the Pacers at plus 300 to win their division. They've won five straight. They're just a game and a half behind Milwaukee, and the odds have closed slightly to plus 270 at FanDuel. Uh, anything to comment on with it with all that before we get to placing some wagers?
2: Uh, well, that, that Pacers one is interesting. It was it was interesting even when you made it and it's getting more interesting. I like it <laughs>
1: ever so slightly more interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: <laughs> all right. Uh, so let's place some wagers. I'm up first, um, according to ESPN Stats and Information. This NFL season, there were 266 unders, 242 overs, and four pushes. Uh, betting the under isn't fun, as we've discussed many times, but it does tend to be profitable. Uh, everywhere I looked, the total points in the Bears-Eagles wildcard game is 41 and I like the under there. Chicago has a great defense. The Eagles have a decent defense with a bad secondary, but it's a good matchup for them because the Bears' passing offense isn't much to talk about. They have the number 11 rushing offense, but only the number 21 passing offense. Uh, On the Eagles' side of the ball, Nick Foles is banged up. Uh, I expect he'll play, but it's possible he won't play well and be at 100%, and it's also possible that third-stringer Nate Sudfeld will see the field this game feels like 17-13, maybe 20-17. to 17. I don't see it getting to 41, so I'm putting $110 on the under.
2: All right, sounds good, Eric. Uh, I noticed that DraftKings is offering me a chance to take Alabama uh, minus 5.5 points against Clemson in the NCAA title game. Uh, I can go 220 to win 210, and mm-hmm. I'm all over that one. <laughs> a freshman quarterback against Alabama's defense that upended even Oklahoma for a while, uh, that's a pretty sweet offer.
1: I had a feeling you were going to uh, place a bet on, uh, on the big final college football game. that <laughs> sure. seemed up your alley, but I wasn't sure which way you were going to go. But I like it. Alabama Co- minus College has now.
2: been good to me, as you know. I, yep. <laughs> I haven't had no an 0-2 ever, I don't think. So.
1: <laughs> Knock wood. <laughs> yeah. uh, although I don't know what your second bet is, so maybe uh, maybe you can't go 0-2 this week. But certainly we, we don't want to start uh, here. So uh, I'll move on to my next bet. I'm going to have some fun with a player prop from that same Eagles-Bears game. Alshon Jeffrey is up against his former team. Uh, He's getting targeted more under Nick Foles than he was with Carson Wentz. Jeffrey is plus 260 at FanDuel to score a touchdown. Uh, I looked up, uh, did some comparison shopping. He's plus 210 at DraftKings and plus 230 at BetStars. So I uh, found the best possible odds. And I think plus 260 represents pretty close to true odds. So I'll sprinkle $50 at plus 260 that Jeffrey scores in this game.
2: I like that line shopping. That makes some sense. Um, well, uh, my other pick is, uh, like any right thinking American, I've completely ignored the lame PGA tour events over the last three months. Yes, they were still playing even though no one was paying attention. Uh, but now the tour is really back in Maui with the tournament of champions. Uh, this is, uh, this is when the golf really gets going again. Uh, and the key word on this course is wind. And the answer to that is John Rahm from Spain. Uh, he's a rising star. He was second uh, there last year. He won an event in the Bahamas a couple of months ago under similar conditions. And, uh, Uh, I risk 155 to coast to an easy hundred win at the pickup window for him just to finish in the top 10.
1: Okay. I like that. Uh, Not, not, you know not trying to pick the winner just picking him to finish in the top 10 seems seems like a solid bet to me but uh there's only about
2: 35 only about 35 players in the event so yeah like even better all right
1: cool uh all right and we move along to our final wrap-up of the fast five competition uh we have two weeks worth of results to recap when last we podcasted after week 15 i was 36 36 and 3 john was 36 38 and 1 we had one head-to-head that week chicago versus san francisco and wouldn't you know no, it pushed uh the line was five uh, i wish i'd gotten it at four uh, like it was when uh, jason took san francisco uh but anyway uh we both went two two and one in week 16 leaving me at 38 38 and four and john at 38 40 and two we made our week 17 picks over email and twitter since there was no podcast last week and we again had one key head to head i had the chiefs minus 13 and a half over the raiders you had the Raiders. I won that one, and I went four and one in the final week to Johns two and three to clinch the Adam Small Cup. Um, my final record was forty two thirty nine and four. Johns was forty forty three and two. Adam, you have my mailing address. I'll keep an eye out for the delivery. Uh, John, any closing thoughts on our mini-super contest uh, beyond your uh, rather enjoyable concession gift on Twitter?
2: (laughs) Well, uh, we combined to go exactly 500. Um, Imagine the money line odds on that one to start the year. We (laughs) could have gotten rich that way. But, uh, yeah, there was an amusing uh, signature ending to this rivalry. Um, I've been out most of Sunday, and uh, I fast-forwarded through about five hours or so of the NFL red zone in about two hours. and. I caught up, I think it was 6.42 p.m. Eastern, exactly. I just caught up, and about midway through the fourth quarter of these uh, late afternoon games, and I still had a chance to win if the breaks came my way, and I heard my phone ping for a text, and I thought maybe it was you celebrating some clinching TD (laughs) in one of those games. It turns out it was my twin brother letting me know that he had just become a grandfather, and I had become a great uncle, Um, so... uh, even greater an uncle than my previous 10 unclehood. So, um, and you wonder why I was so Zen like in my concession tweet just minutes right. later, but well, it's just a game and uh, little Jane, you're not even a week old and you're already getting mentioned on a sports betting podcast.
1: Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would say a new baby being born matters more than, uh, who, who, who covered in the, uh, Kansas city, uh, Oakland game. I think, uh, you have your priorities straight there.
2: I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. Well, the fast five may be over, but we're going to extend our NFL picks into the postseason as we try to see whether either of us can go the perfect 11-0 against the spread in the playoffs. Uh, So we'll quickly share our picks on each game, uh, and we won't use the opening Monday lines for this. Uh, For better accuracy, we're using the Wednesday lines on FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey. The first game, Colts at Texans. Texans favored by one and a half. Uh, We're going to alternate who goes first on these picks. Uh, I'll go first on this one. This is a tough one. Uh, Divisional rivals. These teams played twice this season and both times the road team won by three. So I think I'm going to take the points and take the road team here. Take the veteran quarterback over the young quarterback in his first playoff game. I like the Colts plus one and a half.
2: Uh, I also like the Colts. Uh, it's amazing these teams started one and five and zero and three. They're I think they're twenty and three since then, something like mm. that. The, I'm doing the math right. Uh, incredible, but um, Colts are just a little bit better at quarterback, a little bit better on offensive line, and I think that wins the day. We'll go to game two. I'll start off with that one. Seahawks at Cowboys. Cowboys uh, uh, minus one. Uh, I'm more confident in this one, yeah, with the Seahawks and another road win. Uh, The Cowboys' last and only double-digit win of the season came in week six against Jacksonville. Um, They're squeaking by, but that's all they're doing. Uh, Seahawks beat Dallas by 11 earlier in the year, and the Cowboys are, are just too much smoke and mirrors for me.
1: All right, you're following uh, the money on this one. It's been on the Seahawks so far. This line opened at two and a half, but uh, as you said, down to one. These are both wildly inconsistent teams, in my view, and, and really both mediocre teams, teams that I give very little chance of advancing to the NFC Championship. Um, but I'm going to create a little swing here, go the opposite way from you, because at home with a rested Ezekiel Elliott after a week off, um, you know, you look at the line, it may as well be a pick em since there are no ties in the playoffs. I'm going to go ahead and take Dallas, although as an Eagles fan, I won't like it if I'm right. (laughs) Uh, Moving on to the third game, Chargers at Ravens. Ravens favored by two and a half. Um, Fun fact about the Chargers, they were seven and one on the road this season, just five and three at home. They have no home field advantage in L.A. where the stadium is always half full of fans of the visiting team. Um, So that three points that you traditionally give to the home team. I kind of say throw it out here. Uh, I say the Chargers are a little bit better. It doesn't matter that they're on the road. I will again take the veteran quarterback over the rookie. Give me the Chargers.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm in the same boat. The, give me the veteran quarterback. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's nice that the Ravens staggered into the playoffs this year uh, at the last second, unlike last year when they staggered out at the last second. But uh, there's just kind of a happy-to-be-there vibe, a, a sign of relief from that team. that just doesn't expire, inspire me at all. And then we'll go to game four here, which is the Eagles at the Bears. Uh, Bears uh, favored by six points. Um, the Bears. Uh, Nick Foles may not be 100% after last week, and if he is, he won't be after his first couple of knockdowns by the Bears' defensive line. Uh, Eagles just weren't that good this year. and the Nick Foles show, it's now being planned for Off-Broadway or Broad Street or somewhere. <laughs> but uh, it's a sweet story, but it's going to end abruptly.
1: When you pick Dub Bears, don't you have to follow that with a, a score <laughs> prediction of like 63-2 to two or
2: something? Uh depends how many Ditkas are going to play.
1: <laughs> right. Are they full size ditkas or mini Dickens. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well uh we'll we'll have our second disagreement here, uh, because I, I don't I don't want to try for the emotional hedge, not in the playoffs. I, I can't pick against the Eagles. And I do think six points is a tiny bit high. Uh for reasons I explained earlier, I think the game will be low scoring. If it's low scoring, it figures to probably be close. The Eagles are the hot team that nobody in the NFC wants to face. Uh, I don't know if they'll win, but I do think they'll keep it close. So I'm taking the Eagles getting six, which means that I'm taking three road underdogs to cover uh, a questionable strategy. Uh, but I guess that's, uh, that's par for the course with me in sports betting to follow questionable
2: strategy. <laughs> hey, you beat me. I can't, I got nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see uh, if either of us goes four and zero in week one here and really uh, has, has bragging rights over the other heading into week two of the play. Playoffs. but uh, for now clean slate it's all even uh, and that'll do it for this episode of gamble on thanks to everybody out there for listening you can find me on twitter at eric raskin and john at bergen brennan and follow us bets at us underscore bets go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on soundcloud or on itunes or the apple podcast app and with that john please do the
2: honors and take us out Well, for the first time in 2019, I just want to say, until next time, gamble on.